Hey folks, welcome into Pro Football Ireland, Michael McQueen, joined with Mark Hogan. Good to see you again, Mr. Hogan, after all that draft shenanigans, a league focus coming up. We're going to look at every team in the league uh, in as much detail as we can, time dependent. We are in the lull of the season or the off season, but uh, who better to start with than look at the Minnesota Vikings and obviously look at the NFC North as well, but a guy called Arif Hassan, very, very famous on Twitter. If, if, if you follow him on Twitter, <laughs> at Arif Hassan NFL, covers the NFL for, for Pro Football Network. Um, and Arif has been all over various different publications down, down through the years. Uh, Arif, it's great to see you again, man. It feels like we were in Phoenix like five minutes ago. How's it going? Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like a deja vu already. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's fantastic to be on. Did I hear that right? I'm the, I'm the first one that you're interviewing for the team by team preview. The very, very first one. Like, oh, you, you make it up. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's smart. You start at the bottom, so you can only go up from there. <laughs> I get it. I, th- I think it's more that they're the point of our greatest disdain throughout the 2022 season, how the Vikings keep on pulling off these one-season wins. So we said we better get to the bottom of it fast before we keep on scratching our heads. It's so funny. <laughs> I rolled over in the bed in Phoenix, and I wake up on a Wednesday morning. I was like, wait, I was talking to Reef last night. I was like, I hope I didn't make a brick of myself. <laughs> And then I turned over and, and I had seen Arif has followed you on social media and I was just waiting. I hope there's not a DM there being like, man, that was out of order or something last night. But it's like that Tuesday night is the craziest thing. If I, anyone that I wasn't aware, Michael left it very last minute, but it's uh, the funnest thing that we all get to hang out as um, journalists, well, so-called journalists or whatever at this big party, <laughs> yeah. hanging out, bumping into shoulders. And like M- Michael just said, we had the two most famous Twitter NFL people with Arif and Roger from The Ringer talking. I was like, what am I doing in this situation? <laughs> How do I end up here? <laughs> good though right I, that's it's one of my favorite things about that week is you know the ability to go and plus i mean the free food wasn't bad either uh, but the ability to just kind of like you know walk up to people that you you only ever know on twitter and just um just talk to them or only ever see like on a on a on a camera screen um and uh it's like a face-to-face interaction and, you know, and that's how funny. you know that like in real life i'm actually seven feet tall <laughs> you know because it was funny because we obviously talked to you in london and i had such a ball at the super bowl that week and then we now, before that, have been in Germany. Uh, looking back at it now, I know Germany has really stayed with me as a fantastic experience. Just because we are doing the schedule release this year and people will be excited to see their teams. Now that the storm has calmed down, what do you, what would you look back on and, and say about the UK trip for yourself? Um, is it all that it's made out to be? Has it kind of like the memory has stayed that you're going to get back or what? I, I think it's like, it's always what you make of it, right? Like I think a lot of, um you know sports writers go to like the london game or i assume the germany game um with kind of just you know they're they're at work and so the only thing that they they really want to do is you know show up uh you know the the friday night or saturday morning or something like that cover the game on sunday and then fly out and it's like yeah that sucks i I understand like if you don't like covering the london game because you're like flying eight hours just to just to watch you know a a three-hour affair and then fly out um, you know, I always try to make sure that I'm there for the week. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, the organization I'm with, whatever that is, they don't want to cover the full week. And I totally understand that. Right. It's not like that makes sense. And so I'll just cover it myself and I'll just treat that week as like, Hey, I've got, I've got a week to spend in another country to do what I want. And I did use it a lot for work. I, I you know, you recall the story that I wrote, which was about, you know, traveling up to, um, 
Northumbria, like right near Scotland to, to cover the Vikings versus the saints a thousand years ago uh, and tie that to the game um, that they were playing. And, and that was tons of fun. I had, I had a, an enormous uh, amount of fun, even though like up there, I got like rained out. I just felt like, yeah, that's, that's part of the experience, right? <laughs> it was just like being in the UK. And so I was, I was pretty happy with that. But um, yeah, no, I, I had I had a ton of fun. Um, I always make sure to try as much food as possible. The Brits aren't wonderful <laughs> when it comes to food, but you know I try as much food uh, as as possible, uh, and 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 find all the all the various like parts of like London or England um, that that are enjoyable. So yeah, I I tried to make the most of it, and I got I got that out of it. So I, I very much enjoyed it. We're um, gonna get in, Michael. I know you want to do a football question, but just because you mentioned the Brits, <laughs> and I'm gonna put Irish in there with the food at the Super Bowl, they gave out free Smarties, so I grabbed some Smarties. Smarties in America are like foamy or something. Like they're we have chocolate on the inside of our Smarties. Yeah. Yep. So I will say that we do beat them in Smarties because that was a culture clash that I didn't enjoy <laughs> from the Americans' point of view. Michael, we might do a football question now. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, if if you're gonna get into this detail, I've I've got two elements before we start the football questions. Milky Ways are not Milky Ways in the States for a start. That's okay. a whole different conversation. I mean, oh, is it not like, is it? We have a layer of caramel it? on them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we have so many different candy bars that like, you'll find like what you want. It just might be a different name. You <laughs> <laughs> um, see, you see, you see talk, talking about that London week, Arif, it's funny because I mean, me and Mark are a 45 to one hour flight uh, from, from home. And, um, <laughs> I left Tottenham Stadium to go to Stansted Airport and I got home on the Tuesday afternoon because my flight was cancelled. So you probably got home before me, which says everything. Oh, yeah. I, uh... oh, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost, I mean, yeah, it was it was soul destroying. I, I, I remember waking up 5 a.m., looking at my phone going, oh my God, the flight's actually been cancelled. And then I was there for another day. But I got to sit and watch tape all day, so it was lovely. And um, there you go. that goes into the football questions, isn't it? Um, is now the time, Arif, to buy your child a Kirk Cousins jersey yes or no <laughs> um I I I don't know I think um the 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 things that go into like buying a jersey you have to be reasonably confident that that player is not going to do anything 10 years down the line that's going to embarrass you or the child you got to be reasonably confident that that character that that player is going to you know be on the team so you can wear that jersey to like multiple years of games um, and you have to be reasonably confident that that player is going to be good, right? All three of those things. And I, I can say the third one, good enough, right? Like a quarterback face of the franchise. The other two, I am not 100% confident in. And this is not me calling Cousins like somebody who's going to commit like an act of violence or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, he is somebody that, you know, his entire family sits on one side of the political spectrum. And if you're not on that side of the political spectrum, after he retires, he might say stuff that you don't want to be associated with. Uh, and so, you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind. Uh, and which is not always the case, right? Like John Elway, for example, is like a staunch Republican, but he has not done very much publicly um, about, you know, about that. So it's not always the case, right? That they're, that, you know, their political beliefs will come out in terms of public statements, but it's a risk, right? And then also, I, you know, the Vikings didn't extend Cousins. So you're going to have a Vikings Cousins jersey for the first time in perhaps his final year with the team. Um, that's not to say they won't, but, uh, you know, they, they made it very clear that they're continuing to have conversations with his agent about ways to extend it. But it sounded like, you know, Cousins' team had offered a $40 million a year contract, maybe two, three years, not very long, 
fully guaranteed because that's all Cousins does. Um, and, uh, and the Vikings decided not not to opt for that. And um, not going to opt for that. I don't know that there's going to be anything that the Cousins seem to put together because that's honestly a pretty reasonable deal for a fully guaranteed quarterback for a player of Cousins' value. I mean, who would you rather have at $40 million, two years guaranteed, Daniel Jones or Kirk Cousins? I know Jones won the playoff game, but I think I'd prefer Cousins. Uh, and so that's, you know, that that's kind of the the long and the short of it. I think that the Vikings are preparing to move on from him. Now, I don't think Jaron Hall is part of that plan or anything like that. That's the fifth-round rookie that they drafted. But I, I think that it's it's something that they're considering. And so uh, I wouldn't. You know, I'd buy a Justin Jefferson jersey instead. Maybe I think that that seems uh, more reasonable. I think that that fits all three criteria to the best of our knowledge, right? Um, so, yeah, I, or a C.J. Ham jersey, right? Like that's, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 probably not Cousins jersey buying season unless you're specifically in the market for like buying low and you can find some good ones on eBay or something. Yeah, to know as a Cardinals fan, you can see how ridiculously cheap. Wait for them to do a new jersey reveal and they go down to like a twenty percent of their original price. Uh, one guy whose jersey has been popular over the last few years to put it that way would have been Adam Thielen who's now off the team mm-hmm. so I don't know if I'm trying to force Adam Thielen into our conversation and owe to him as he departs the uh, Skull Nation or whatever it's a good segue but... nobody noticed <laughs> so um, yeah I suppose I you know and I'm sure a lot of fans would have hoped for this Kurt Warner storybook finish to a career that obviously he started you know, he's a Minnesota native he spent the first yeah, or he was undrafted then a year on the practice squad, two years with what two games, and then from there he was touching a thousand yards for what five straight seasons. He did drop off the last couple of years, and I suppose as he goes, and we saw what productivity he had, do you think that's the fallout from the aforementioned name, Justin Jefferson, that any of the wide receivers are going to be kind of stuck? at that mark that you're always going to be playing second fiddle like we can list off all the categories that justin jefferson was ranked first in the league in last year receptions targets all that kind of stuff is that the story now that these guys that we're going to probably get into more in a second and um, won't get the targets or is it a case that like i see vikings fans really want three 1000 yard receivers this year which which side of the fence would you fall on I think that just the way that that offense runs, and we saw that obviously in Los Angeles, is that they do want to funnel it through one receiver. Uh, and so, you know, that was Cooper Cup in Los Angeles to Justin Jefferson here. But it's not as if the secondary receivers in Los Angeles did not have opportunities to get significant yardage. I mean, we saw some 800, 900 yard receivers over that time, including a couple of thousand yard receivers that were not Cooper Cup. And he was still able to get 15, 16, 1700 yards. Um, so the, the opportunity is there. I think it's a combination of a couple of things with Adam Thielen. I think one of that is just that, you know, he's on the back end of his career. It's always like a tough thing to say for a guy that you feel like has a lot more left. Um, but then you look at like his literal age and it's a lot higher than you expect. It's because, you know, he not only did he spend four years in college, instead of declaring early for the draft, which is like, you know, pretty characteristic of an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, he spent, like you said, a year on the practice squad, you know, when he first came to the Vikings. And so his emergence as a receiver in 2015, after, you know, being draft eligible in 2013, came a lot later. And so we just had fewer years of Adam Thielen at his prime. Uh, and I think we're we're kind of seeing the results of that, you know, especially after he accumulated some calf injuries and back injuries that can have some, you know, ramifications for, you know, your explosiveness out of a cut and things like that. He's still 
very athletic, I think, but he's certainly a lot less athletic than he was, you know, in his prime. And I think that that played a role in the Vikings, not setting him down more high value routes, uh, played a role in him not being the target of like yards after catch type um, route combinations. Um, and it played a role in just overall, you know, how many snaps he got versus somebody like KJ Osborne, who did, you know, about as well as he did. So um, I, I think that those all functioned to kind of magnify the difference in in what an offense looks like when it's funneled towards Justin Jefferson. Um, I think that in, say, like a Kubiak-style offense or a traditional NFL offense or anything like that, Thielen probably would have been capable of a 1,000 yards while Justin Jefferson got fewer yards, but they wanted to make sure that Jefferson got the ball in his hands as often as possible. And so you need your other receivers to really keep up in a really, you know, um, engineered way in order for that, in order for them to be productive. And we saw that with TJ Hawkinson. I mean, he, when he arrived, he was very productive in a way that Thielen wasn't. And so um, there is something there for us to say, hey, maybe he doesn't have it. And I think that um, at the price that he was on the contract, you know, with the way his contract had worked out, um, you know, it was going to be impossible to keep him at that price. And it sounded like he would rather take eight million somewhere else than eight million with the Vikings. Uh, And so um, I'm not shocked that that all played out the way it did. I actually kind of figured it was going to happen um, before last year. And so the fact that it happened this year, you know, it was entirely reasonable, um, you know, replacing him is going to be kind of difficult, but knowing what you have to replace is not quite, you don't have to replace 2016 Adam Thielen. You have to replace 2022 Adam Thielen. And that's a, a little bit easier. Um, and so whether or not Jordan Addison can do it, whether or not KJ Osborne is going to be able to do it. Um, I don't know, but I, I think that they are all capable of 1,100 to 1200 yard seasons while Jefferson still grabs, you know, 15, 16, 17, 1800 yards. Rafe, you're not only a superb answer of a question, but you've literally got the next question in a nutshell there. I mean, obviously, bringing in Jordan Addison, um, I know you spoke very briefly about him there, but for Kevin O'Connell, is a guy to work, is for, for him, it's like an opportunity to work with Robert Woods again. Like, there is a really interesting ceiling for Addison, especially in his first 12 to 24 months in this league. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to figure out what the what the plan for him is given his size, right? Because he's coming into the league at about 173 pounds. And so the question is, can you just deploy him like you would any other receiver, like you would Adam Thielen, right? And I think that the answer to that is no, because Thielen, you could line up anywhere. You could line him up at the split end, the flank or the slot and be reasonably comfortable that he'd be able to do something. Now, Jefferson isn't the largest receiver in the world either. He's not 6'2", 210 pounds. Um, but the reason he can get off and press coverage, why he can be a split end is because his release is so good. He's so good you know, off of press coverage that he does a very good job making sure that um, that he can win, right? Uh, and at USC, uh, Addison didn't see press coverage all that often. He saw it a little bit more at Pitt when he was winning the Blitnikoff. Um, but it's just it's not a very common type of coverage in, in college, even though you see man coverage a little bit more these days than you did five years ago. Um, it, it just coming off of press, it's just so difficult to teach corners press that they don't, you know, they don't play all that much. And so um, whether or not Addison has that ability, you know, we've seen him get rerouted in coverage by more physical corners. We like, including, um, you know, the, the Utah corner, that's like five, seven Clark Phillips, the third, right. Um, you know, that, <laughs> that like kind of tells you that uh, there's a lot of strength to be gained here. And so he needs to spend a little bit more time in the weight room before you're comfortable with him taking a thousand snaps, playing every receiver position. It's a motion heavy offense. And so you can have a guy, come out of the huddle at the flanker position, which is a position where you're off of the line of scrimmage, even though you're out wide 
and you're and there's just going to be space between you and the corner, no matter what the corner tries to do. Um, you can have him come out of the huddle like that, but then Cousins needs to change the play or there's a motion in the play. And then suddenly that guy's in the slot or suddenly that guy's a split end. And now he's up against the corner and now he has to be press coverage, even though that wasn't the original plan. That's just the way the offense is organized. You need to have that kind of versatility. And so um, I don't see him getting um, uh, 100% of the snaps right away, even though he's a first round pick, even though he's a very nuanced and technical route runner, even though he's got a very good understanding of what defenses are trying to do and how to attack leverage. Those are all very valuable skills. And I think he's going to see a lot of snaps because of it. But I think that final kind of part of the equation, his ability to beat physical corners, is it going to prevent him from being a 100% snap share kind of guy, at least at the beginning of the season. And so whether or not he can kind of play depends on his ability to do that against, you know, the corners that the Vikings have right now, you know, Andrew Booth and Byron Murphy and, and so on. Uh, and so, um, he probably would be able to do it against Makai Blackman, one of the few corners smaller than him right now. Uh, the Vikings just happen to draft him, right? But uh, we'll we'll see if he's got the the ability to kind of outmuscle players. Now Je- Jefferson, for example, is much stronger than his frame would imply. He's a really strong receiver despite being 190 or so pounds. Um, and so you know that's always possible, but you're always a little bit worried. And so with that in mind, I think that you know he's a young player. Addison is, and so you know there's going to be time for him to be able to spend time in a weight room. And that time in the weight room is probably going to you know. Ball him up hopefully he doesn't lose quickness when he adds weight and stuff like that but um i think at for the moment we're going to see kind of a a a timeshare between um addison and osborne which i think for fantasy purposes can be pretty frustrating but i think you know for for winning purposes isn't you know the world's worst thing because of how physical osborne can be and how much of a changeup that can prevent uh, present to opposing defenses and how difficult it is to kind of adapt to having two different kinds of receivers rotating in and out or or, or moving for different matchups so those first 12 18 months i don't expect him to produce you know like jefferson did or jamar chase did or anything like that i don't expect him to be you know the kind of rookie receiver that we've gotten so used to you know over the past couple of years and i think for this class that's pretty appropriate it wasn't a great receiver class and so we're not expected to see you know a garrett wilson pop off or anything like that so um it's going to be tough in those first you know like you mentioned 12 to 18 months for us to be able to see um addison really kind of establish himself as a premier receiver but i think in the even in the medium term not even in the long term in the medium term it's going to turn into like a, a quite a productive investment if you have your bingo card out, I think we've hit on most in the offense at this point. But funnily enough, this is probably one of the first years that we actually don't have to address O-line for the Vikings. You know, they were, what, middle of the pack really last year, which is nice. But we do have to talk about Dalvin Cook. It looks like in the last few days, it's going to come out that he's going to be a cap casualty down the line, especially maybe we'll mention Sedaria Smith in a bit. Um, is that a smart move to be getting rid of Dalvin Cook? Because of you know, he's been what four straight Pro Bowls now. He's been one of the best running backs in the league. Won't the offense take a major step back without him? Like when we're talking about the LA Rams now, their offense where obviously they had a very strong running back there, you know, under the best Sean McVay years in the last few years, that that alone could cause the Vikings to have some regression if he is gone. I mean, the backup is Alexander Madison, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would expect that even though they they drafted the guy in the seventh round and they like Ty Chandler, who they drafted last year, and they have Kenny Wongwu, um, I would expect that Addison's going to take the bulk of the carries in a world where they get rid of Dalvin Cook, which seems pretty likely at this point. Um, 
I think it is smart to get rid of Dalvin Cook, not because he's not talented. He is very talented. Um, he's he's a he just right now today he's a better running back than Alexander Madison. And if that was the only consideration, you know, then uh, of course you wouldn't get rid of him. But the problem is his cap hit is about fourteen million dollars. If they cut him, they save seven million dollars against the cap. And if they cut him after June first, um, they they save more against the cap this year because they'll take some of that cap hit next year. It gets split up, and so I think they save ten and a half million against the cap this year, um, and then take a three and a half million dollar cap hit next year if i'm doing the math in my head correctly um and and that that seems like it's it's the smart thing to do because you need to have the kind of space necessary to secure somebody like justin jefferson to a long-term deal to make sure that you've got the room during the season to sign players as a result of injury to make sure that you've got extensions in place for people like Darius smith who may or may not you know be able to you know may not be comfortable with the contract that he has currently but might be able to negotiate a new contract that he's more comfortable with long term you know those are all considerations that they have to make and they might be able to make all those moves after June 1st, which is not typically what you think of cap space. You think of it always as acquiring new free agents. That's you know not always going to be the case. And I think that here the Vikings want to you know have enough cap room to be flexible during the season to secure some long term deals that they need to secure uh, and manage their their cap long term by by investing in some of that cap space here in, in the short term. And, and those are all of the considerations that come into play when you talk about you know moving on from Dalvin Cook. Now Alexander Madison, I think, is a pretty capable back. I, I just don't think you're going to get that home run capability with him. You're not going to get 40-yard touchdowns with him nearly as often, if at all. Um, but you might get that with Ty Chandler. You might might get that Kenny with Kenny Wongu. Um, you're probably not going to get that with Dwayne McBride because he's like a, a power back. At least that's how he projects in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, it kind of depends on on how they run that committee and whether or not they're going to create spaces for, you know, those explosive runs. But I think that your point is correct, that when the Rams lost Todd Gurley and they had to replace him with C.J. Anderson or they kind of moved on and uh, afterwards and tried to replace him with like Cam Akers or, you know, a stable of other backs, that offense fell off in, in a pretty significant way. And, it, and it's very specific to that offense because Todd Gurley can run both the outside zone and the inside zone. So they were able to run play action off of both of those concepts. Whereas when CJ Anderson was in, they could only run inside zone. And so when the Patriots were able to shut that down, when they knew that inside zone was coming and that there was no outside zone, the play action off of the outside zone wasn't going to work because they knew that no running back was going to do it. The play action off the inside zone wasn't going to work because they had a nose tackle that'd be able to stop it. And so that shut down most of the offense because it's a play action heavy offense. I think with the Vikings, that's a concern. It's less of a concern because Cousins is still a capable drop back passer. It's not as reliant on play action, even though that's where he's best and they should use it more often. Um, but you're still probably going to run a lot of the same plays with that running back group. And so I think that you can avoid some of those pitfalls, not having as talented of a back, because even though Madison isn't going to run, you know, a 40 yard touchdown, he can still hit the outside zone pretty well, and they're probably still going to run it. And this this run game is a little bit more diverse than the Los Angeles run game is anyway. And so there are a lot of concepts that you have the ability to run play action off of. And, and that, to me, is the primary issue um, that, that Los Angeles saw when they lost Todd Gurley. And, and I think that, that the Vikings have already found ways to overcome it. And I think that the extra cap space um, that you're getting out of it and what that gets you medium and long term is worth it. But it is it is like a tough set of decisions, I think tougher than a lot of people make it. And it is kind of to allow 
I think Sedaria Smith, like he he was so funny when he basically tweeted like I'm out and the team's like, uh, we want you to stay around. He's you like, sure about that? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was probably one of my favorite moments of the offseason. It was like it was so underrated, but it was hilarious how he did it. But it still is a very like kind of grey and in limbo whether he's on the team next year. He got off to a fantastic first ha- half of the season, and then I guess whether through banged up or through a poor offense behind him, he kind of fell off. I think he only had what half a sack in the last eight games, but he had like ten before that. Uh, the money looks like it's kind of going to shore up him is I mean it's kind of unfair because they only paid him last year but I suppose that's that's what this is all for right to shore up a bit of the the defense because you did kind of purge a bit at the back the likes of Patrick Peterson the the, the defensive backs must be like an average age of 24 they're all like super young <laughs> yeah. so it's like you're just paying the guys up on the line right yeah it's like you said it's like a bunch of 20 year olds and Harrison Smith <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, um, he's like a babysitter at that point, I think, right? Uh, but I think that um, maybe that's I, why I, they got Blackbond in because he's like older than any of the other ones that he's there with. And he's a rookie. Imagine the twenty-four-year-old rookie is one of the oldest guys in the room. That's okay. Soon. That's a, a fascinating point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's um, having having all of that investment in the front end. Um, I think that the idea was that you needed to move on from a bunch of those defensive backs either way. And so having investment on the back end wasn't going to work because you weren't getting your money for your investment. And so the area where you were getting money for investment was on the defensive line. So you might as well, you know, make sure that you've got that investment going for you because the plan has always been to improve the defense in some way, whether that's through the front or the back. Uh, And so the Zedarius Smith um, conversation, I think, is, you know, it's pretty difficult. I'm sure the Vikings, you know, were willing to field trade offers, but they weren't willing to take below market value on him. And so, you know, they control the contract. And I think probably what happened here is that Smith thought, um, maybe rightly or wrongly, I don't know what happened in the conversations with him and the Vikings, but Smith thought that, you know, if he had demonstrated kind of what he needed to demonstrate as a player, that he'd be able to get something closer to, you know, what you'd expect a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 sack guy to get in free agency, but in the form of a new deal. And the Vikings never offered him that new deal. And so, you know, he's, he's a bit ticked off because he thought that basically the entire contract was was kind of fake in a way to allow him to, to renegotiate based off of what his leverage was. And he felt like that he had played well last season, which, you know, d- despite kind of the, the first half, second half splits, I think overall, you can say that he did play very well. Uh, and so I can kind of see where he's coming from if he came to the negotiating table with that assumption. And if he came to that assumption pretty fairly, and um, I don't know what the Vikings told him, you know, if they lied to him, that's on them and that sucks. And he's right to want out. Um, But, you know, that's the nature of contracts. I don't know what to say. Like it's, you know, you always have to be careful with what you sign because the only thing that's ever enforceable are, are the terms that are on the piece of paper that you sign, not the promises that are not in the contract. And so, um, you know, I, I don't want to blame him because if they, if, if, you know, big, if, if they lied to him, right. Or if they misled him in negotiations, you know, that's, that's on them from an ethical perspective, but from like a, the way things work perspective, um, that's the nature of the game and it sucks. And so if that's what happened, um, you know, hopefully the Vikings find a way to manage that locker room and make sure that, um, they can, they can fairly compensate him in a way that he's going to appreciate, um, my guess is that he's not going to hold out. He's under contract, which means he's uh, going to face some really steep, heavy fines based off of the new CBA um, for holding out. Teams are not allowed to forgive those fines uh, anymore like they used to be able to. Uh, and so 
you know, the Vikings are going to find some way to, to play him and deploy him um, if they can't find a trade partner for him. And I think that they probably won't be able to. And I think that they'll be able to use some of the additional cap space in order to kind of make him a little bit happier and give him actual guarantees as opposed to um, kind of the paper guarantees that were in the previous contract. And so all of that together means that there's going to be investment and guarantees for Zedaria Smith. They have to figure out what to do with Daniel Hunter, who um, I think is is a free agent after this year. They have to figure out what to do with Marcus Davenport, who's certainly is a free agent after this year. Um, when they figure all of that out, you know that might occur partly through the season when they figure out who's playing well and who's not. But it does mean, like you said, that there's a significant amount of money up front. Plus, they've got Harrison Phillips there, right? Uh, and so um that i think is just like hey we know that these players can play well or are playing well we know that we can get some some good players on the back end without having to pay them too much in terms of cap space just by keeping them on rookie contracts you know either by drafting them now or having already drafted them uh and so we need to improve the defense this is where we can improve the defense um by getting you know value for dollar and so i think that that's kind of the approach that they had. And, and there are a ton of ways that you can use all three of those edge rushers um, without diminishing their role. You know, there's about 1100, 1200 snaps in a season. Now um, you could have them all play 800, 900 snaps without having to worry too much, both of the combination of, you know, rotating them out pretty smartly over the course of, or over the course of the game. And then having all three of them on the field at the same time on downs, like third down uh, or in the two minute situation. So um, there are ways to get a ton of snaps out of those guys while keeping them uh, effective without having to worry about wasting your money. The one thing, I suppose, is now, look, Brian Flores is in as the defensive coordinator, so there's more of an emphasis on the defensive backs than the guys up front. Like, you know, a main focus and, you know, critical aspect, you could say, of his defense is the man coverage that you expect out of the defensive backs. So I suppose they actually hit on three starters, it seems, in the 2022 draft. So while people are, you know, focused on your Patrick Peterson, so the problem was they all seem to get injured. Like we saw Lewis Sine in uh, week four in London get injured. Andrew Booth in week 10, we didn't see him come back. And then um, Evans, who is listed as the other starting cornerback at the moment, he was a fourth round pick last year. He went into concussion protocol three times. So I suppose my problem is, we or not, not problem, that's probably the wrong to, thing to say, but you're relying on these guys staying healthy. And I mean, is it too too much to ask? I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you specifically, but I feel like they their eggs are in one basket here because although Andrew Booth is a phenomenally like is a freak athlete, if these guys can't stay on the field and not one of the three was there last year, I mean, it'll be all for nothing because now they have no depth behind them. At least those were they were depth players, kind of, except for Booth last year. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I don't think that's necessarily true at safety, right? Because they still have Cameron Bynum and so they'll be able to rely on him, um, who is a starter and maybe he'll start this season. I don't know. Um, but uh, beyond that, I think that that's part of the reason that they went out and got, you know, Jawan Williams at cornerback. And I think that you and not like a lot of people seem to, to think that he's, you know, slated to start, which I don't really understand that. But I think that the level of, of play that he's demonstrated over the past couple of years of football tell us that he is a, a really solid depth player. And so, um, you know, the Vikings might, their starters might be, you know, Byron Murphy, Andrew Booth, and Makai Blackman, right? That means that a Cale Evans is a depth piece. That means Joan Williams is a depth piece. Now you could probably add one more defensive back in there. I don't know if I'm like the most secure person in the world with, with uh, Josh Metellus as like your, your final piece of depth. You know, he's a great special teamer, but like, you know, after that, who knows? Um, but I, I think that, you know, knowing that you've got, um, veteran, uh, knowing that you've got rookie depth last year behind your veterans was one thing, knowing that you've got rookie, 
um, depth behind your rookie or not rookie, but like young depth behind your young starters is another thing. And you don't really know how that's going to play out or anything like that. And, you know, obviously the Vikings just um, struck gold last year with um, gosh, the, the, the cornerback that went out West, I totally forgot his name now. Um, but, you know, is that going to draft a free agent, a trial guy from the Chicago Bears? And now my brain is blaking because he was like the best performing corner for the Vikings. And I feel like I need to know his name. Um, they, they struck gold with him. Right. You know, he's a 5'10 guy that was supposed to play on the inside. It turns out he's actually a pretty good outside player. Um, and they're not going to be able to rely on that this year. You know, um, that, that's just kind of like a, a once in a blue moon type situation. So you're not always going to get, you know, your your practice squad guys. But they did grab three cornerbacks in uh, in undrafted free agency with the hopes that one of them might turn into a depth player. They they're un, they understand the nature of the problem here. Um, but it, I, I think that that's just going to be a concern given, you know, the way they needed to upgrade at the position. So I, I think there's a little bit more depth there, both at safety and a cornerback than, than what appears at first glance. But I, I do think that that's going to, you know, kind of continue to be a problem. I guess if we sort of wrap up looking at the Vikings, Arif, just to finish for us, um, you know, they're, they're entering a season where some expect them to sort of shrink back from 13 wins, but at the same time, this is a division that's ever changing in the NFC North. It's had an off season like no other. Obviously, what's going on in Green Bay? It's all. It's never boring in Chicago, and, and obviously Detroit are making a, a, a very interesting push. I'm just wondering generally what your expectations are as we sit in May for the Vikings going into 2023. Yeah, um, that's a totally fair question because it's it seems like the division is is completely wide open. By the way, the name was Duke Shelley. That was bothering ah. me. Uh, <laughs> <Get her. laughs> yeah, I was I was googling. Sorry to interrupt. I was uh, I was like, who's he talking about? That's yeah. it was frying my brain. Sorry, like Duke Shelley. Um, <laughs> no, it's 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 a, it's a wide open division, like you said. There's a ton of change that's happening. The least amount of change is probably the Chicago Bears, uh, and and who knows what they're going to be because Justin Fields might develop. Like this might be the year that he that he really takes a step forward, and we saw some like pretty good stuff at the end of the season, at least in terms of his involvement in the run game. So it's wide open, right? Um, but, you know, the, the Detroit Lions are a bit of an enigma. They had a really great offense last year, but it was built off of explosive runs. And they got rid of the running back that was responsible for those explosive runs. They brought in another running back that might be responsible for explosive runs, but also explosive runs are just not a sustainable way to generate offense. But it's also kind of difficult to ignore that they went on like an eight game win streak or something like that. At the end of the season, they started out one and six and they nearly made the playoffs like that's an interesting team to cover. Right. And maybe Jamison Williams is going to be healthy enough to be a full time you know, participant. Maybe he's going to get more than one catch. And there, there's a lot of unknown with the Detroit Lions and they could win the division at some point this offseason. They were Vegas favorites. Right. Uh, then there's the Vikings. Right. Which, you know, if if they improve their defense, which a lot of people seem to anticipate because of Brian Flores, they make that offense just a tiny bit better then that's that's a good team and they should be division favorites and i believe uh by vegas they are now um but like the green bay packers who knows how good jordan love is like literally we just have no idea i i never had a ton of confidence in him i didn't like him coming out of the draft but at the same time if the if the packers didn't like what they what they saw out of him they've shown historically they don't mind drafting another guy like in the second or third round or even in the first round um, while the, while the other first rounders on the roster, they've done it before, right. You know, they've, they've like, they've run through the Brian Bromes of the world. Like people kind of forget that while Aaron Rodgers was behind Brett Favre, he wasn't alone. They kept drafting quarterbacks and he kept beating them out. And it turns out rightly so, you know, if they weren't happy with Jordan love, you know, some of these guys that they brought in, they at some point could have beaten them out. And, and, and I guess they didn't. 
Uh, and so there's may that's like a soft signal that doesn't tell us that he's good. That suggests that he might be, we don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult to tell who the, who the backers are going to be. They brought in like a dozen more pass catchers for, for Jordan love to work with, you know, maybe they'll be able to figure something out. And that offensive line, you kind of always just kind of feel is going to be good. And they still have some really high level players in that line. Um, and that defense, I, I don't expect the world of it or anything like that. It's got a bunch of talented players that still like always seem to have problems with, with uh, defensive play calling and their coordinator. Um, but you know, if Jordan love is as good as the Packers seem to think, then they're right there in the mix too. So it's a wide open division. I would say that the most likely outcome is that the Vikings win the division, which is maybe the most dangerous place for the Vikings to be right. <laughs> because, you know, it seems like whenever they're supposed to win the division, they don't. Right. And so, um, how, how that works out for them, it's, it's, it's going to be tough, but it's a, it's a strange division. It's probably the most difficult one to predict, like up there with the AFC East and the NFC South in terms of just like, I have no idea what's going on here. Um, but you know, unlike the AFC East, it's not for good reasons. And unlike the NFC South, it's not for bad reasons. Like, I don't know, like, it's just, it's just a bizarre place to be. You don't know if any of these teams are good or bad. I love it. Uh, just while we were talking as well for people trying to get the time element of this and what time we recorded this at. The schedule is being released this week, so we'll know who the Vikings play Thursday night. Uh, but Arif, obviously for people following you, Twitter at Harif, Arif Hassan NFL. Uh, you got the Norse Code podcast for the correct also as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Wide Left podcast. Do, do check it out. Arif, um, one thing chatting to somebody online, but you're an even more sounder guy in person, uh, as we say in <laughs> Ireland. And we, we, we can't thank you enough for your support of the game internationally and just just for coming on so wish you the very very best over the rest of this off season enjoy it and hopefully we will uh, share a coffee in vegas in february please god oh that would be fantastic i would love to already before we let you go do you know what you're a sound person means <laughs> uh, <laughs> i i guess i don't i my my assumption would be like solid as in like yeah, reliable, yeah. solid good. as a house. Good you know? guy. Okay. Good guy. Okay. Good guy. A good guy. A good guy. Okay. Good. I'm. I'm glad it wasn't a secret insult. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you.